If you have a copy of God's Word with you today, I'd like you to open with me to the book of Joshua. We'll be in the Old Testament book of Joshua near the beginning of your Bibles, and we will pick up in chapter 1 and verse 7. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. And we're going to take a little divergence out of our study of Luke that we've been doing for, uh, I don't know how many weeks, but it's been a bunch. And we're going to take a, a little divergence and look at this uh, short passage out of Joshua 1 and uh, talk about fathers just a little bit. And today I want us to see a, uh, a little bit of, of an instruction that God gives to Joshua, and it is his prescription or his plan for success. And I think that each person, this, I think this is especially true of men, each of us wants to be a success. Each of us wants to prosper in some way. We want to, uh, we want to, to, to amount to something. And unfortunately, many of us, and again, men are, are prime for this, many of us have bought into the world's lie that um, the 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 key to success, the, the thing that is an identifier of success, is a large bank account. Now, no doubt that is nice to have. You know, somebody said you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it for a while. Now, that's, um, you know, I mean, you kind of have to have a large bank account right now just to fill up the tank of, of gas. But it's, it's nice to have, but that is, not the, uh, that is not the key to success. Sometimes we think that as the, the successful person has a job title that is um, shortened down to two or three letters, maybe VP, CEO, CFO, CIO, HBO. I mean, those, we, we think that those are the things that make us matter. And today I want us to look at a text that's God's plan for success, and you'll notice that it doesn't have anything to do with climbing the corporate ladder. It doesn't have anything to do with being cutthroat in business ceilings. It doesn't have anything to do with the size of your house or the number of vehicles you have or how many homes you have. It's none of that. His plan for success revolves around courage and fidelity to him and to his word. And so that's what we're going to see in Joshua uh, chapter 1. Now, when we read this, we need to recognize that God did not write this to us. Now, he, th- this is recorded for us, but it is not spoken directly to us. Paul says that these things were, were recorded in the Old Testament for us. They were for our instruction. And we have to recognize that we are not Joshua. There, there are a lot of differences between our situation and his. For instance, um, where we pick up, Moses is dead. Now that's the same, but he's just died. He's led the, the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. They've been there for over 400 years. He's led them out. He's led them through the wilderness for 40, for 40 years. And then he's just died and and his right-hand man, Joshua, takes his place. He's going to lead them in conquest of the promised land. And like I said, we're in a different place. We're on this side of the cross. We're in 21st century America. We're not in uh, you know, late Bronze Age uh, Middle East. There are a lot of differences. But the principles behind what God says to him are just as applicable to us today. And we'll see that there are actually echoes of what he says elsewhere in Scripture. So if you found Joshua 1, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word if you're able. We're just going to read a couple of verses starting in verse 7. God is commissioning Joshua after Moses' death and he says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, there there are three keys to this this prescription, this plan that I want you to see. The first is being intrepid. We need to be intrepid. We need to have some some courage. We need to have some backbone. You'll see it right at the beginning of verse 7. Look at what he says. He says, be strong and very courageous. Now, this this is something that God repeats several times. So, Joshua, if you have your Bible open, we didn't read some of this. But I want you just... Uh, to just look at some of these texts. And we, we don't know exactly why God said this. Maybe Joshua was given to timidity. Maybe he was, was not very courageous by nature. That doesn't seem to be the way he was, I don't think. I, I think probably it's because he was facing a huge task. I mean, he's going to be leading millions of people, and they're difficult to lead. I mean, they're stiff-necked, they're rebellious, they argued with Moses, they wanted to stone Moses, this, this man of God that led them out of, the, out of Egyptian bondage, and they got so... so so, I don't know what you call it, but they, they got so hard-headed, they said, you know what? It was so good to be beaten like, like a rented mule back in Egypt, and we need to go back there and be slaves again. Let's, just, let's get a leader to lead us back. They worshiped false gods. I mean, they did all these things. And so Joshua saw all this, and, and, and God said, just as they obeyed Moses, they're going to obey you. And I'm sure that's why you're saying, great, that's just what I wanted to hear on, on my commissioning. Um, and, and you'll see that in verse 17. Just as we obey Moses and all things, so we will obey you. Wonderful. And so God tells him, be strong, be courageous, I'm going to be with you. And he just keeps repeating this over and over and over again. And I think that the reason for that is because he needs that encouragement. Now, again, we didn't read all this, but if you look at verse 6, you'll see that's what he says again. He says right at the beginning, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Look down at verse 9. Um, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do you think maybe God's trying to tell him something? Look at verse 18 right at the end. The very last thing he says, only be strong and courageous. God is trying to emphasize something. And that is that he needs to be strong and courageous. But what does that mean? Well, the word translated as strong has, has a range of meaning and it's rendered by different English words. And it has, has the idea of of being stout, being hardened, of being, of, 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 again, of strength, of, of, of conquering or of fortifying. And similarly, that word uh, courageous has the idea of being bold and alert, of being steadfast-minded, if, if that is a, a phrase. It's the opposite of being dismayed and trembling. You get a glimpse of that in verse 9. Look at what he says. He says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed. So being strong and courageous is the opposite of being dismayed and trembling. Now that word combination is, is pretty unique because usually it's fear and trembling. Okay, So trembling, you know what trembling is. It's, it's when you're shaking with fear. And to be dismayed in, 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 this, in this context, in the original language, it has the idea of being terrified or being beat down. And so God calls Joshua, and he's calling you and he's calling me, to be strong and courageous, to not be fearful of people, to not be fearful of situations. He's calling us to be the opposite of those things, to be strong and courageous. Now, I'm speaking to all Christians, but especially to men. We need to be a courageous people. We need to be a courageous group of followers of Christ. We need to stand firm. We need to not be afraid. We need to fortify our wills. Because we live in a world and we're surrounded by a culture that is opposed to God. I mean, the things that... Have you ever seen news clips from like the 90s? 
And some of the things that they say, some of the things they talk about today, if you were, if you were to say some of those things about different um, uh, issues going on in, in the culture, whether it be abortion or homosexuality or whatever it is, if you were to say those things today, you'd have people outside your house, you'd have you'd be picketing, they'd be, I mean, you'd probably get fired from work, all kinds of things. And that was, that was the commonplace thing that was said just a few years ago. Now, to some of us, the 90s may seem like a long time ago, but for many of us, the 90s was just, just a couple of days ago, right? I mean, it, and, and we are surrounded by a culture that is going downhill fast. The things you watch on TV, the, the movies you see in the theaters, the music that's on the radio, much of it makes a mockery of God. People in the workplace, sometimes people even in our own families, scoff at religion. They'll mock you if you hold traditional biblical values. And it takes courage and it takes rock-ribbed strength of character to stand firm in the face of that. It, it takes courage, it takes being strong to, to stand firm and, and to raise your kids right. It takes courage to raise up those grandkids. It takes courage to make church a priority in your life. It takes courage and strength of character to, to, to keep your head when the world is going all topsy-turvy. And how do you do that? How do you keep your head? How do you be strong and courageous? Look again at verse 9. He says, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed. For, here's the reason, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God himself has promised, I will never leave you, what? Nor forsake you. And then the, the, the writer in scripture elsewhere adds, What shall man do to me? Christian, God is with you. Christian men... Dads, believing husbands, God's with you wherever you go. It may be the job site. It may be uh, the, the workplace, the office, the field, um, the, the field of, of service, wherever you are. Uh, as you raise your kids, as you're a grandparent, as you're single, God is with you. So the first thing is we need to be intrepid. The second thing I want you to see, the second piece of his plan for success is to ingest the word. To ingest the word. Now, what does it mean to ingest something? It means that you take it in. You, you eat it, as it were. So how does that happen? Look again at what he says in verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So the first way this happens is you talk about it. Verse 8. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Now, the book of the law, the Torah, that's Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's all they had at this point. They didn't have the Psalms. They didn't have the Lord is my shepherd. They didn't have, uh, you know, Psalm 40, those who wait on the Lord with mount up with wings like eagles. They didn't have uh, the, the, the Lord's prayer. They didn't have any of that. He had Genesis through Deuteronomy. Can you imagine? And that's what God told him to hold on to. He said, have those words in your mouth. They should be on your lips. Now what does it mean to depart from your mouth? What he's saying is simply you need to talk about it. You need to talk about the things of God. You need to talk about the words of God. You need to discuss it with your kids. You need to discuss it with your spouse, your grandkids. Maybe you talk about it to your co-workers. Maybe you talk about it to yourself. Sometimes and, and can I say something? Sometimes you need to preach to yourself. 
Because you get down the dumps and, you, and, and your mind gets away from you and you start, start going off in left field, sometimes you just need to bring yourself down to, to, to what the Scripture says. And you say, you know what, self, this is what God's Word says. This is what you need to hold on to. You need, and sometimes you need to give yourself a verbal kick in the pants. Now, sometimes uh, he says, don't let it depart from your mouth. Why do you do that? How does that get in your head and how does it get into your heart? Well, haven't you ever noticed as you're discussing things with people? Sometimes maybe it's just that back and forth. Maybe they have an insight that you've missed. Sometimes even it's just verbalizing. You know, sometimes we have these, these ideas and we saying them crystallizes them. And sometimes just, just in the process of just speaking those things, it's not that our words have power, but sometimes it, it, it kind of puts a handle on it so we can hold on to it. And it gets into our heads. It gets into our hearts. And so he says, first, you need to talk about it. Don't let it depart from your, your mouth. Next, he says, verse 8, meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, to meditate doesn't mean that you climb up on a Tibetan mountain and sit crisscross in, in burlap and wait for somebody to come plumb the depths of your spiritual knowledge. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you empty your mind of, of, of all anything and, and sing on to yourself. It means, that, it, in fact, it means the opposite. It means that you fill your mind, not with, not with a noise of hum or something like that. It means that you put the Word of God in your mind. And then you don't just think about it, but the, the wording that's used in the original language actually means making sounds. In a very real sense, it's talking to oneself. And maybe as you read the text aloud to yourself, it may be that you think about a text and you verbalize it and, you're like, and, and you come at it from different angles. Have you ever, have you ever had a, a text that you read it and you're like, I know there's something there. And you just can't let go of it and you just keep mulling it over. And you come at it from different angles. It's, it's that process as we, well, now, I, I just don't know. How does that work with this? And, you, and you're working through it even out loud. That's what it means to meditate here. And this is similar to what the psalmist says in Psalm 1. You remember what he says? He says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But, what does it say? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Do you hear the very similar language here? As, as we take the word of God in, as we mull it over, as we apply it to our lives, God, God transforms us from the inside out. And that's the last thing I want you to see. Not only should we be intrepid, not only should we ingest the word, finally we need to integrate or we need to incorporate the word into our lives. Now part of that is that being strong and courageous we've already looked at, but looking in at verses 7 and 8. The emphasis is on being careful to do what God says. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all those written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. See, it's not enough just to know facts about Scripture. It's not enough to even be able to recite Scripture from, from memory. We must be hearers of the Word as well as doers. 
And notice that it's not enough that Joshua knew where the law was. It wasn't that God said, now Joshua, you know that the law is in the tabernacle. It wasn't enough that he said, he didn't say, it's enough that you were with Moses. When, he, when Moses came down from the mountain, you were right there with him. You saw him grind up the tablets and make the people drink him at the golden calf incident and all these things. That wasn't enough. He said, you need to get the law, you need to get the word of God into your mind, you need to get it into your heart, but then do it. Be careful to do those things. Likewise, it's not enough that you have ten Bibles at your house. You may have a Bible that will go with every outfit you have. You may have a Bible on... How, how many of you have a, a Bible app on your phone? Many of us do, Right? It's not enough to have a Bible app on your phone or on your tablet or whatever device you have. It's not enough to know that you, you can come here and pick up the Word of God in, in many of these rows. It's not enough to do that. You may have Bible Gateway, Blue Letter Bible, or any Bible.org or any of those websites bookmarked on your computer at home. Those are all great to have. That's not enough. If, if, if we read the Word, that's good. But if we don't incorporate it, we've missed the boat. Now, what is the outcome of doing, of incorporating, of integrating the Word? Look at verse 7. Be careful to do what God's commanded, the result being you'll have success wherever you go. Same thing in verse 8. Now, the word rendered success here has the idea of, of wisdom and intelligence. The Bible will give you prudence. It will enable you to act wisely when you're faced with decisions in life. In short, obedience to God and God's Word, having His presence in our lives, brings success. Said another way, you cannot be truly successful apart from God. You can have lots of money. You can have a well-known name. You can have lots of land. You can have all kinds of animals. But that is not the measure of success. Following God is the true measure of success. And I just want to encourage you today because if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you to follow hard after God. Pursue Him. Seek Him. Read His Word. Think about it. Talk about it. And then don't just leave it in the theoretical realm. Live it out. Don't, you're, you're not going to do it perfectly. Don't set that up as the standard. If you, if you fulfill God's law perfectly, your name wouldn't be whatever it is. It would be Jesus. Some days you won't do a very good job at all. You're going to miss the boat almost every choice you make. Some days are like that. But you know what? You can always get up the next day and start over. You start with a clean slate. You can start with a clean slate that day. Incorporate it into your life. Men's, husbands, fathers... God's prescription for success is not outside any of our reaches. And again, I'm not talking just to the men. I'm talking to every Christian. God's, God's prescription, His plan for success, doesn't have anything to do with having a foundation. I mean, you could have a foundation named after you, or you could mop the floors. Same thing. Same plan. It's not based on money. You, you could be in a, a dead-end, low-paying job and still be a, a success in heaven's eyes. You follow after God, seek Him, be obedient to Him and His Word. Be strong and courageous, and be careful to do what God said. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come?
There are a lot of things that God has said in His Word. One of the things that He said is that all men, all people everywhere should repent. And it could be that even today, maybe you've gone to church a number of times, maybe you've gone to church for years and years. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Not unless you go to to church regularly, unless you're born again. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you, I, I I want you to examine your heart. Have you been born again? Have you turned from your sin? Do you trust Christ even now for salvation? As a Christian, if you've if you've never done that, of course I. I, I encourage you today, I, I plead with you to turn to Christ. But for those of us who are Christians, success doesn't mean being on the news, giving an oversized check to a group of people. It's not about having man's applause. Success is following God, being obedient to Him. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've made these things uh, simple to understand. You've made them attainable to uh, each, each person, no matter what stage of life we're in, from, uh, from a, a child or a young person all the way up to uh, a senior adult. Thank you that we don't, have to, we don't have a list of do's and don'ts, some of which may be out of our um, physical abilities, our financial abilities, whatever it is but you made these things simple enough that we can we can do we can read your word we can apply it to our lives and we can put it into practice and God I ask you to help each of us as believers today to follow after you better to seek to be a success in heaven's eyes not in the world's eyes and of course if there is somebody who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I ask that you would draw them to yourself today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.